Let me start reading from 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we are reading from verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If, for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrow when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it and patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Okay, verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of his visitation. So when he says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, again, this is underscoring that he is writing to Messianic Jews, he is writing to believing Jews who are in the Diaspora in Asia Minor, and, and uh, he is saying, you are living amongst Gentiles. So if you just think Gentiles is an expression for unbeliever, you're wrong, because there are Gentile believers and there are Gentile unbelievers. He is speaking here because they are living among Gentiles, and, and uh, uh, so they have their community there, and he says, you keep your behavior excellent. This is what he calls us to as well. As believers, we are called to have our behavior be different than that of people in the world. Our behavior is to be different. We have a higher calling. And this is what he calls us to do. He says, you keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So that, the, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers. Slander is to say something that is untrue. They will say something about you that is untrue. If you walk with Jesus and your walk is known, that people will say things about you that is untrue, that are untrue. And this is something that is going to happen to you. You say, well, people don't say stuff about me. If you walk with Jesus, they will. Trust me, they will. It will happen. Because I'm not the one that's saying this. The Bible says it's going to happen. If you decide to keep your mouth shut and not talk much about Jesus, people won't bother you. But to the extent that you're going to talk about Jesus, people will come against you. And then he says, he says, in which they slander you as evildoers. They're going to slander you. They're going to say false things about us, saying that we're evil in some way, but it's going to be false. This happens if you walk with Jesus. They're going to say false things about you. And he says uh, um, that they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So let's see what Jesus had to say about things like this. Look in, in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Jesus said, 
Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he says, he said, blessed are you when men revile you or insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, you are blessed. He says, blessed are you when men, in, when people insult you. Blessed are you. You're blessed when they say bad things about you. That's a different perspective. You'd be like, why would God, why, why would God allow this to happen to me? I don't believe God would allow this to happen to me. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. Your beliefs are wrong. They are misplaced. Your, 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 your tastes, your, your feelings are corrupt because we are corrupt creatures. God promises us that there will be insults and persecutions that will come. And uh, uh, they will persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus. They will say these things. And he says, you're blessed when it happens. He says, rejoice and be glad. You are to be glad. Be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Again, Jesus is speaking. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. So he, say, he says, uh, um, blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. You're really blessed. You're really blessed when people ostracize you. That happens. That happens. It happens professionally. It happens socially. And he says, you're blessed. I think so many of the blessings that I have in my research, in my research program, are because of things that people have said about me. It's like, God keeps a record of it. He keeps a record of it, and he sees this promise that Jesus has made, and he says, oh, look, they said that about Jim Tour. We've got to bless him again. Just send down some more blessings on his work. This is what it is. He says, you are blessed when it happens. Blessed are you when men hate you. And ostracize you. They keep you out of professional societies. And insult you. And scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. He says, be glad in that day and leap for joy. Have you ever leapt for joy? So it says, you, you leap for joy. I was just, some, some, some things had come against me. And, and I was home with my wife and I started jumping. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaping. <laughs> she said, that's leaping? Said, that's the best I can do. I'm leaping for joy. For behold, your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, their fathers used to treat the false prophets. I'm sorry, the fathers used to treat the prophets. The false prophets is what he says in the next sentence. Turn to John. John chapter 15, verse 18. I mean, Jesus has a lot to say about this. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the word world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember 
the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So, we have it over and over again. Jesus himself tells us that these things are going to happen. These things are going to happen this way. And so don't be surprised and don't say, why is God letting me go through this? It's actually good for you. What are you going to do when when your child is in high school and has an exam that's really hard for them? Are you going to run to the teacher and say, look, I I, I don't like this whole idea of exams. It's it's really stressing my child out. Are you going to do that? Are you going to say, good, good. I hope it's a really hard exam. I hope it's hard. It's good for you. What are the classes that you have taken in your life that have, where you have learned the most? I bet it's the classes that really stretched you, the classes that really made you work. The classes where, you know, the, the professor was really nice and it was really kind of easy and all you had to do there, you know, if, if, if you just attend lecture, you do okay. You don't learn that much. You learn by doing these massive problem sets that just, just wear you out. I mean, that's how you learn. And it's the same in life. It's the same in life. Uh, my daughter was, was just had to, was on an assignment where they're, I guess they're trying to get some class action thing. And she had to go to a bunch of homes of people that have been affected by this oil pipeline behind their house or something. And she had to go to a really seedy part of town. And she was just, she said she just felt like vomiting after coming out of some of those houses, the way they smelled and the way these people lived. And, and I'm thinking, boy, that's good for you. That's good. I didn't say it to her, but I'm thinking that's good for you. I'm happy that this has happened to you, that you had to spend all day doing this. And, and uh, that you learned something. It's like going to the mission field. You learn lots of things by doing this. This is good for you. So if you think that God wouldn't allow this, you're wrong. God allows this all the time. This is why over and over again we have w- been warned uh, about this. And, and every man of God has gone through this. You know, for... for uh, for Charles Spurgeon, it says that, that, that uh, Charles Spurgeon became a, a preacher uh, at the age of, of 19. He became a preacher at the biggest church in London. I mean, the guy was 19. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he started preaching when he was about 17. And then he was called to be the preacher of the largest church in London when he was 19. He started preaching the, the church uh, was built for 1,200 people, and there were only 200 in attendance. Within a couple of years, there were thousands, thousands, way beyond the capacity of that church, but they didn't have fire restrictions back then, and they would just pack the aisles, pack everything. And so the establishment, the, the established preachers started coming against him, and the newspapers started coming against him, and they called him a religious Huckster with self-serving motives. They referred to him as a nine days wonder. The guy's church was exploding. He was just a young guy. He was just 19, 20 years old. And and, and, uh, uh, this London press was coming against him. Oh, well, you know, he'll fade away. He's a nine days wonder. He's a religious huckster, self-serving motives. And what happened as a result is that many, it says, of the young ministers in the city came behind him and liked him all the more. And this is what I have found. When people come against me, there's a whole group of young people that stand with me all the more. 
They stand with me all the more because they admire this. That, that hey, what, what are you saying about this guy? And they stand with me all the more. I gave a talk. Uh, uh, that was, was it this past week or the week before? This is past week. And, yeah, I gave a talk on campus and I got there and apparently there had been a, a uh, 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 what, what, was the, what was the social media thing it was on? Instagram. There had been an Instagram uh, uh, firestorm, apparently, because Ratio Christie advertised my, my, I was speaking on the nonsensical research behind origin of life. Because I've always contested, we just don't know how life forms. Scientifically, the research is nonsense. So, so I, that was something in the title, you know, you know, the nonsensical research of origin of life, something like that. So Ratio Christie put it on Instagram. So Rice University projected that onto the Rice University Instagram site and Apparently, it just, lots of people started commenting negative things about me, about my work, about, you know, all sorts of things. Because the attack always gets personal. It never goes at the science itself. Never goes at the science. It always gets personal. And so I walk in there to give this talk, and these people are like, wow, I really feel bad for you. I'm like, well, why do you feel bad for me? Oh, just what you went through on Instagram. I said, I don't read Instagram. I have no idea. <laughs> Tell me about it. What, what happened? And, and I thought, oh, this is great. It's going to make a lot more people come. A lot more people are going to be interested in this. And, and uh, so, but there were all these people feeling bad for me. And so that's what happens. People come alongside you. Very often it is young people that will come alongside people because they feel an injustice has been done here. They feel this injustice and they feel that it's been done. And just last night, actually, just, just well, actually, I, I read it this morning, early this morning, that somebody was saying to me, um, Okay, so here's from the back page of the Thresher. You guys probably haven't even seen this. The back page is a satirical page. It's, it's satire. Look, I have been on the back page before. I've had op-eds written about me before. But this is uh, Chem 211. So I'm teaching a course called Chemistry 211. And, and, and uh, um, so, so uh, uh, Chemistry 211, office hours. Thursdays at 7 to 10 a.m. Open to all willing to learn. I will purify you chemically and spiritually. And, and then it goes on. And so, so it, it says, uh, uh, open prayer starts at 7. This is from my office hour. Special topics review lecture. Current scientific models for a spherical earth are nonsensical. Prayer break, gentlemen's prayer session, debrief, chem 211 midterm review. And uh, yeah, it sounds great. It sounds like a great officer. The first 25 students to arrive will receive a free signed and inscribed Bible from Dr. Tour. John 11.35, which says Jesus wept. That's the best they could do. It's the best, you know. You know, there's a lot more scriptures that, you, that would have been a lot funnier than that. And then uh, research opportunity, be your own boss, 11 to 14 hours per week. Reasonability, reason, you know, they did include research, researching your research, uh, recruiting other people to also research the research so they can find people. Do not Google MLM. It means man, lo man loving man. Special preference given to children of divorce. And then, you know, it just goes on. So, so somebody sent this to me. They said, they said uh, um, I'm so sorry about, uh, let, me, let me get this bar back. Stop sharing. Okay, so they said, really, really sorry about that hit piece. I'm like saying, look, nobody reads The Thresher. It's, 
And I said, tell me how you saw this, because nobody reads... Well, we saw it on Instagram, because it got reflected on... Inst- okay, people read Instagram, but they, nobody reads The Thresher. It's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's some college trash magazine that nobody reads. Really, nobody reads it. That's why I've stopped putting ads in there. It was a waste of money. I used to put a lot of Jesus ads in there, and it, it was a waste of money. But any, anyway, um, uh, so these things happen. And when I saw this, I said, this is not a hit piece. You should look at the stuff that's said about me on the Internet. This is just, just irreverent humor. There's nothing here. But, uh, um, and, and she thought I was going to be so devastated by this. I said, no, this is actually kind of funny. There's, there's nothing wrong there. So this is what happens to you. And after a while, you become numb to it. You really become numb. Think of what they said to Jesus. And then just this morning, just earlier this morning, shortly before I walked in here, uh, so around 8 this morning, I, a guy sends me an email. And he is just cursing out every four-letter word, but not me. God, Jesus, the Trinity, he's just going after it. The gospel and it was like, perfect. God sent me, had this sent to me this morning to show that he's bearing much more. What this guy said about the Trinity was much worse than what these students have written about me in the back page of the Thresher. And, and Jesus even said, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. I'm one with Jesus on this. This is, this is exactly what life has for us. This is what life shows and has for us. So he says, he says, uh, um, uh, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, that they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Because of your good deeds, they're going to glorify God. And you know, as I thought about this, I was, I was talking about this with Shireen last night, even before I saw this thresher thing. This thing in the thresher just came out uh, you know, I just saw it this morning, but I was talking about Shireen, with Shireen about other things where, where people were saying things. And she, so she started telling me about her father, how in Pakistan, in, in a Muslim country, he used to do open-air preaching. And the Muslims were, were always trying to kill him. And how Shireen's mother had to send the, her father and all the brothers to the outskirts of the cities, city to live with other Christians because the men were coming and they were going to kill her father and her brothers. And it was just women there. And, and so, so her father and her brothers were gone. And what they went through. And I remember that when I was in graduate school, Shireen's father was visiting us. And there was open air. That was back when they allowed open air preaching on state university campuses. But they allowed it to all religions. So there was these uh, um, Muslim imams preaching. And, and uh, um, my father-in-law, growing up in Pakistan, knew a lot how to debate these folks. So I told him, I said, yeah, there's some Muslims on campus. He said, I'm going to work with you tomorrow. So I brought him to work with me. And so he started dialoguing with these people, very respectfully, but dialoguing, and started, started tearing up their arguments. And I felt, you know, a little funny. You know, I'm just a graduate student here. And so I said, Abaji, I've got to go up to the lab and do some work. <laughs> so I, I left him there. I just left him. And uh, I said, come on up to the lab. I told him, I did my lab, go up those steps up to the th- third floor. I'm up there. And so he went after him for a while. But he was fearless. He was fearless. And all these people were always threatening to kill him. And then I, I read this verse out of, I, 
And now he's 100 years old. He's 100 years old. All these people were going to kill him. And this was 40 years ago. So here's what, what, what God said to, to Moses in Exodus 4.19. He says, Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. And I, I bet all the people that have threatened him in his life, they're all dead. And he's alive. He's alive. It's just, it's just that God has kept him alive to just see this. And, and you see the blessing that comes, the blessing that flows. And then he says, he says here in, in, in verse 12 of First Timothy chapter, chapter 2, verse 12, he says, and, and that, that because of your good deeds as they observe them, they're going to glorify God in the day of his visitation. So what's this about doing good deeds? Now we are obliged to do good deeds toward them. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's not your works that get you saved. No way. Everybody across the entire world, across all religions, thinks that, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. If my good works outweigh my bad works, I'll kind of be okay. You know, there's always much worse people than me. And, but... Jesus just just says, no, that's totally wrong. The Bible teaches exactly the opposite. No matter how good your works are, there's no way you can get to heaven in and of yourself. It's only by the grace of God, accepting the the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then the next verse in in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. It's not by good works that we're saved, but we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did you know one of the reasons that you were created was not so that you can do your own thing in life? It was you were created to do good works. It's amazing. God created us to do good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. God's already prepared the works for you to walk in. You know, God knows everything before it happens. He has prepared bunches of good works for us to do. And as we do those good works, it says, people are going to see that and they're going to go, why, why am I slandering this person? And they are going to, so, so that they could glorify God in the day of his visitation. That means when Christ returns, when God returns, they're going to be there glorifying God because their attitudes are going to, going to change through your works. So, I came to Rice, I taught 11 years in the State University, and then I came to Rice in 1999. I was recruited by a man named uh, Richard Smalley. Richard Smalley had won the Nobel Prize in 1996 for the discovery of buckyballs, Buckminster Fullerene, which is like the birth of nanotechnology, and I was already doing nano. And so they recruited me into Del Butcher Hall, which was the first building ever built specifically to do nanotechnology. It was the first building ever built specifically for that. And I was, I was the first recruit into that building. And, and uh, the, bu- the building was completed in 97. I was recruited in 98 and moved in 99. And uh, um, Rick Smalley, he used to make a little digs, you know, about, about uh, uh, Jesus and, you know, this sort of thing. And he, he, he used to say little subtle things. But, you know, I was used to it. It didn't really bother me. I mean, he was my friend. And I considered him a friend, but he used to make these, after I'd been recruited. So I'm already signed on, I'm already here, and he'd make these little digs. Well, what happened is, 
a few years into this, he, 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 would, he said to me, Jim, how, how do you have a research group that functions like that, where everybody seems happy, everybody's working together? How do you do this? Here's a Nobel Prize winner asking me. I was 39 years old when I got recruited to Rice. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not a senior person, and he was a senior person. He'd already won a Nobel Prize. And he's asking me, how do I run my research group? He said, I want to take you to lunch so you can tell me about how do you get a group to work with you like that, where everybody seems like a shareholder. They're all working together with you. He said to me, he said, how do you, how do you have, he had met Shireen several times. He says, how do you have a, a wife that loves you so much? How do you do that? And these kids, you have four kids, and they all seem to love you. How do you do this? How do you do this? Because he had had a string of broken marriages, a string of broken children, a string of broken wives. And he saw good works in us, and he was attracted to this. This is exactly what it says. And he came to the Lord. One day we were sitting on, an, on a flight together to go to, to the, see the CEO of Intel together. And we booked our flights separately. We both were, used, were professors, so we only book coach. Even Nobel Prize winners fly coach. But we flew enough that we both got brought up to, to first class because, you know, just based on, on flyer points. And so we ended up sitting right next to each other. So, so we came to the airport separately, and we end up sitting right next to each other in the airplane. And as we're flying, he looks at me and says, do you believe all that stuff in the Bible? I said, yeah, I think I do. He said, he said finally, somebody with a brain that I can talk to about this. And so we talked for a long time, and then fi finally he, he stopped. He says, you know, you know why you spoke to me about this? I said, what do you mean? He says, you spoke to me about this because you're really a Jew. Had you been a Baptist, you would have just said, well, that's the way it is. And so after that, it started a long conversation, and I, I gave him a book. I had a book by C.S. Lewis with me called God in the Dock, and I happened to give it to him, and he read the whole thing that night. And in the morning in the hotel, as we're, we were leaving together, because we, we were in the car together going, going to Intel, he handed the book back to me. He says, I read the book. He says, this guy has a great mind. And so, I, when, so then when I flew, I flew back to Houston from there, he went off to go some other places. So I had a stack of books sitting on his desk for him when he got back, and he read them all. And uh, he ended up coming to the Lord. This is exactly what it says. They, they slander your name as evil. They make fun of you. But as you continue to embrace them and do good works, their heart changes. Their attitude changes. I've seen it with my own eyes. Exactly what is written here is true. And then if you look down, look down in, in, in verse, verse, verse 19. For this, so this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjust, unjustly. For this finds favor. Uh, you, this word can also mean grace. For this finds grace, which is an undeserved gift. It finds favor with God when you bear up under these unjust sufferings. Under these unjust things, it finds favor with God. Look again in verse, in verse, uh, uh, in verse 20. For what credit is there if, when you sin, you are harshly treated, but you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So you see what I'm saying? It finds favor with God. 
How do you get favor with God? This is special favor. Everybody's got favor because, you know, he gives us air to breathe. He gives us eyes to see. He gives us ears to hear. Believer, unbeliever has favor from God because of all these things that we have. You get favor from God when you become a believer. But there are special favors that are dropped upon you when you bear up under slander, when you bear up, when you endure these sort of things where people mean evil for you. When you bear up under this, rather than sitting back and crying, how could they say, that's so unfair, that's so unfair. Well, stop crying about it. Jesus told you it would happen. What you have to worry about, Jesus said, woe to you, woe to you, if all men speak well of you. Jesus said, woe to you, if all men speak well of you. For so they spoke of the false prophets. Woe to you, if all men speak well of you. And, and, and uh, uh, he says, then, then there's a problem. If nobody is speaking evil of you, you've not let known that you love Jesus. You've not let this thing known. That's your problem. You've not let it known. And, and he says, you get special favor. And I'm telling you, I am the recipient over and over again of special favor from God. Over and over again. And, and you may think, you know, you just, just, it's always about you, isn't it? Look, he says this is what would happen, and I believe it. I believe it. When I see my students come from the lab and share something, I'm like, there it is again. There it is again. This is this special favor that's being dropped upon us from God. Hit me again with something. I just want more special favor. It's special favor that you get when these things come upon you. I want you to learn to look at it in this perspective. I truly believe that God has a special eye on me. Has a special eye on me. This thing, this thing that, that, that where he told Moses, he says, you can go back to Egypt now. Everybody who sought your life is dead. They're all dead. There was this guy, he was coming against me terribly. I was trying to be nice to him. He kept coming against me. He had done some very underhanded things to, to get my research funding and everything. And uh, guess what happened? He died. He died. Just like that. He died. You say whatever you want. Look, I'm not in charge of this. There's a God in heaven. He controls everything. The man died. You want to mess with me? <laughs> you know? I really believe that God looks with favor upon me. I really do. Can you imagine going through your life and believing like I do? That God is looking upon you with special favor? The Bible says how you can get special favor. When people sit and say evil things about you, when they ostracize you, when they hate you, when they slander your name as being evil, you get special favor. You get special blessing. When, when I try to share with somebody and they get upset with me and they get angry, I'm like, yes. I'm getting all these blessings. You know, I'm getting all these blessings. This is exactly the way you get blessed. There is special favor in this. There is special favor from the Lord. This is what he says. You receive favor from the Lord. If you do not know the Lord, you cannot access this. It first comes by knowing Jesus Christ, by knowing him. I will be glad to share with you. If you just ask me, ask me, just say, I, I want to learn. What does this mean to be saved? What does it mean to, how can you believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? If you don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. 
We have no data points for for this. Not many people have raised up from the dead after being dead for three days. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something special. You ask me about that, I will sit with you, I will explain to you why I believe this, and you will walk away believing it too. And through that belief, you can then have access to exactly the types of things that I'm talking about. Because there is great blessing, there is great favor in walking with God. Charles Spurgeon used to say, my name is kicked about as a football, and his church just rocketed. There are more written works in English by Charles Spurgeon than any other author in the world ever in human history. More written works by Charles Spurgeon than any other works. It is said that he addressed in person, in person, because there were no, there was, there was no Zoom in those days. He lived in, his, his ministry was in the mid-1800s predominantly. He, he died in like 1891. Is that he personally addressed 10 million people. 10 million people. I mean, this is amazing, the numbers that this man addressed. This is a guy whose name was, was, whose name was kicked about as a football. This is what happens. There is tremendous blessing and tremendous favor when we know the Lord. Okay? Let's pray.